When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. So I thought the, the heat Saturday, no big deal. It just reminded me of Vegas. I'm not going to be outside that much anyway. We'll be fine. We'll get through this week. We can be tough. And then Sunday comes around and I'm like, all right, this AC is running 24-7. I'm seeing people on social media complain that their AC has quit working and that they can't get anybody to come out to the house. And then and today I'm like, I wasn't built for this. Not excessive heat. Like, we use weather.gov for our weather. And on the top part of this page, right below the temperature, with, by the way, heat index right now, 111, is just one giant red bar that says excessive heat warning until Thursday night. I commented on this Friday morning on the morning show that I was not prepared to see that from Friday through Wednesday at that point. I was like, that is a bit uh, unusual for us. With that, uh, K-State Soccer, uh, because they are scheduled for a Thursday night tilt against uh, UTSA, is the opponent, which, by the way, good start for the Cats, uh, 1-0-1 after a draw with number 18 Northwestern. Uh, They have moved their kick time for Thursday now to 8 o'clock, so an hour later than originally scheduled. Thank God for natural grass, by the way. But, I mean, the heat index is still climbing. I remember stepping outside, checking the thermometer, and I got up at about 7.30-ish, went outside, didn't really feel too bad. It was fine. Went back inside, did something. Literally, two minutes later, I'm back outside, and it already jumped about six degrees. It's like, geez, Louise, it goes so fast. Here's what really struck me as odd this morning, because... I've got the lights on as I'm pulling out of the apartment complex and those lights shining on windows and you could see the the condensation oh, yeah. on apartment windows because it was so humid. What does this weekend look like? Much I'm like, better. Yeah, like high of 91. Yes. Definitely going to take that. Just makes me wonder. I mean, we're 12 days out. 12 days out. Can we send this average temperature 20 degrees lower, I think we'd all be very fortunate and very happy to have a high less than 90 degrees on opening day. I looked and saw that the forecast was for 92 on opening day, that, but that can change. Not the worst ever. No, but 
that also explains, and I told this to Monica yesterday, this is why it's opening night. Well, I remember this past weekend I was talking with friends, and you know this is the 25th anniversary of the 1998 season. And during that season, Martin Gramatica hit a 65-yard field goal against Northern Illinois, and I was at that game. That was the second game I'd ever seen in person in 1998. And I remember, man, that was maybe the hottest game I've ever been to. I think the high was around 100 that day, and it was, uh, boy, I can't remember. It was like a like an 11.30 or 1 o'clock kickoff, so it was just hot through the entire game. And I got to thinking, well, no wonder he got the field goal. The, the ball carried through yeah, the heat. Yeah, It carried. was thinking about the year that I was in the Shrine Bowl band as part of the Shrine Bowl being here. And this was before turf change. So it was the old stuff. And at kickoff time, it was 103. Jeez. After marching in a parade. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. Just us two today. We have another busy show coming up at 510 today. We are on with Mason Vogt from EMA Online. Going to catch up on a number of topics, including he is officially a dad. Uh, Two days after we interviewed him last... Here comes that baby girl. I know the name now. And as a matter of fact, it was off air. It was in, a, it was in our text. But I had guessed the name correctly. What variation on Bud did they go with? He, he was right. It was. It is a name that both girls and boys, it's unisex Oh, okay. when it comes to a name. But I'll let Mason give you the details on what it's like to be a, a dad to a newborn. It's such a young age, too. He's uh, he's still pretty young. Sucker. Uh, coming up here in uh, a matter of uh, 20 minutes or so, uh, Onwar Richardson from OrangeBloods.com is going to join us via Zoom to talk about and preview the 2023 Texas Longhorns, their final season as a Big 12 competitor. Also in hour number two, we're going to hear from K-State men's basketball coach Jerome Tang. He and the team back from their overseas trip to the Middle East. And by the way, uh, today, hotter than Tel Aviv. Saturday was hotter than, by the way, Death Valley. Well, was it Friday? Was it Saturday? Was it Sunday that I saw it reported that Manhattan, Kansas was the hottest town in America? Saturday. Saturday. Death Valley had hit 100. Yeah. Death Valley had hit 100 at midnight, but then the rains came in as part of the tropical storm hitting out there, and that knocked their temperature down to 90. Yeah, Manhattan, basically Armageddon Valley at that point. Um, let's get to, uh, well, speaking of Jerome Tang, uh, you may have seen this also over the weekend. I think this was yesterday, the freshman orientation taking place. And the team had just gotten back from their overseas trip. I mean, they're traveling 29, 30 hours, coming back from the Middle East and then getting back to Manhattan last night. Well, what they do, they went from the basically from the buses to Bramlage Coliseum so Coach Tang and the team could meet the freshmen. And I guess they had to wait a little bit for the team to arrive, but Coach Tang wanted to talk to the freshmen, and he did exactly what he did last year. He gave out his cell phone number to every freshman in attendance. Now, there was a difference in phone calls and text messages he got because last year he said we, – we had that press conference earlier today. He said he had over 300, like on that day, over 300 messages and phone calls. Because a lot of people, 
We're just like, oh, I have Coach Tang's number. Let's give him a text or let's give him a call. Let's see if he lives up to his word of saying, hey, if you need anything from me, you let me know. And people found out, yeah, that's Coach Tang's real number. Come back to last night, and he said it wasn't as many. It was a little over 100 when it comes to text messages and phone calls. He was getting FaceTimes, and he said when he would actually pick up, he got big pops on the other end from the people that called him. And this, I really, I really admire, admired this because definitely not everybody would do something like this. He literally meant, if you need anything, call me. Somebody, uh, a student at K-State called or texted Drum Tang yesterday and said, hey, I need gas. So what did Drum Tang do? They organized the gas station on where to meet, and Coach Tang got that student gas yesterday. I'm a little socially awkward when it comes to meeting new people anyway, but I remember um, I've seen this trend on social media. And um, when I say trend, it's just like it's a popular thing to do with videos like these people that they come up to you with a like, let's let's use the gas stations for an example. Person acts like they're poor, they're out of money and says, hey, can you spare some money so I can get some gas? I ran out of gas. Uh, Can you spare like five bucks or something? And depending on that person's reaction, they would then just turn around and say, like, hey, if you did the right thing, instead of you giving me five bucks, I'm going to give you 500 bucks. I don't know how real that is, but I'm like, at this point, like, if anybody were to come ask me for some gas, I'm giving it to them because I might become richer. It, there's no losing in that situation if you're giving them the money for the gas. At the very least, you're doing a nice thing for somebody. At the very best, maybe they're like wanting to become internet famous. They got followers. They want some clout, so they might give you some money. I don't know. It's better. I've than, seen it enough. It's better than sponsoring a riot in New York City because you're going to give away playstations and the like. Was that like a Mr. Beast thing? Something like that. Yeah, it was a influencer, and it turned into utter mayhem because everybody showed up. You got it. That sounds like a Mr. Beast thing. It wasn't him, but it was a similar person. Yes. Earlier today, we'll lead off with this. Leading off. Uh, Team captains, K-State football head coach Chris Kleiman with the big announcement, are seven team captains for the K-State football 2023 season. So here it comes. Let's meet them. Let's meet the K-State captains for 2023. By the way, one one snuff here. No Randon Plattner. But I will say he's probably busy during like the coin toss and stuff uh, because special teams doing a lot of warming up leading up to game time. And I get that. Also, I you know, Uso is a senior. No Uso Sayamalu on the captain's list this year, but there are seven. You know, you have me sitting here waiting for Chris Berman to say something. Well, I think Mel Kuyper sometimes. Well, Berman, yes. NFL yep. Live. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, your first team captain is offensive lineman Hayden Gillum, 6'3", 300. He'll return as a starting center from Plainview, Kansas. Listen, guys, the only thing plain about Hayden Gillum is his trash talk at team practices. Other than that, you're talking elite beef. 2022 All-Big 12 Honorable Mention started 14 games last year. He has played in a total of 34. Meanwhile, on the defensive side of the football, 
is linebacker Daniel Green, 6'3", 245. That's a, that's a big dude. Big dude, scary-looking dude, playing linebacker for the Cats once again. Returns as a starter in his sixth year out of Portland, Oregon. Listen, there is not a piece of green that Deuce Green does not own when he's playing football. He's a 2021 and 22 All-Big 12 honorable mention, and he enters his senior campaign with some big numbers, 219 career tackles. He is just 31 shy of becoming the 27th player in school history with 250 in a career. And by the way, also 95 shy being a top 10 tackler. It'd be a very tough number to reach. Very tough number to reach, but you never know. Meanwhile, your third team captain for the Cats in 2023 is wide receiver Seth Porter. 5'8", a buck 70, soaking wet out of Friendswood, Texas. When I think Porter, I think beer. I like beer, and I like Seth Porter because he is a special teams animal. You know, two years in a row, we've heard his name coming up as potential death for wide receiver. Didn't really see that last year other than making a catch in the Missouri game. But you can rely on Seth Porter in special teams. He did a lot this past season for the Cats on special teams, including he blocked a punt. Game one returned for a touchdown by Desmond Purnell. He's a headhunter, guys. He's a headhunter who flies down the field. He led the team last year in special teams tackles. By the way, also returned a kick in the Big 12 championship game. Next, on our team captains for 2023, linebacker Austin Moore, 6'1", 219 from Lewisburg, Kansas. You might as well call him Austin 316, because, and I don't know how his dad looks, but just by guessing by that thin hair, Is there some balding in his future? Maybe, but he strikes like a rattlesnake. 2022, all Big 12 honorable mention by the league's coaches. Started every game last year, and man, did he burst onto the scene after being a backup. He became one of my favorite players on the team because of his aggressiveness at the Willside linebacker position. He was second on the team in tackles for loss with 10. He did everything defensively. I mean, he had sacks, he had TFLs, interception. He was breaking up passes, forcing fumbles, recovering fumbles, blocking dunks by Max Duggan. Only one thing missing is a touchdown. Austin Moore, 2023. Let's get him a touchdown. Your next team captain for 2023 is safety Kobe Savage, 5'11", 204 from Paris, Texas. Ooh, yeah, macho man Kobe Savage. I like that he's racking up the award watch list for 2023, including the Chuck Bednarik, the Bronco Nagurski, the Jim Thorpe award watch list. He got hurt late last year if he was still around for the Big 12 championship game. And Sugar Bowl... He would have tore it up like he did the 10 previous games before his injury. But he is back, and he is going to be the vocal defensive leader for 2023. Two more captains to go. QB1. From Downingtown, Pennsylvania. 6'5", 242, and Will Howard. Bill the Butcher. 
Trill Howard, the deputy. Big Willie Howitzer. Will the Thrill. Big Daddy Howard. Howard be thy name. Iron Will. The Duke of Downingtown. Willie Football. And the one that just gravitated me to me more than any of the others, Big Willie Style. I think that's all I need to say. If you have 74 nicknames, you should be a captain. I think we can all agree with that, can't we? And then finally, he was my pick for the Big 12 preseason offensive player of the year. He was named today a preseason first team All-American by the Associated Press. He is from Kansas City, Kansas, 6'4", 335, more of that, what I call elite beef, Cooper Beebe. He is on the Outland Trophy watch list, the Lombardi Award watch list, first team All-American by four different outlets, second team All-American in 2022 by four other outlets, honorable mention by Phil Still in the All-American nods. And in 2022, the Offensive Lineman of the Year voted on by the league's coaches in the Big 12. And by the way, all Big 12 first team the last two years. He is, oh, captain, my captain, Cooper Beebe. Now, Troy, to wrap up, let's play a game. To finish off the celebrations for our 2023 captains, let's play blindly ranking five. Oh, boy. Uh, if you don't know how this game works, I'm going to give Troy a category, and I'm going to give him one at a time to rank, but he doesn't know what's coming next. So I hope you're ready to write these down because it's five to one, one to five. You rank him how you want to rank him. I'm going to give you five Coopers, ah. and we're going to rank some Coopers here. Does mini count? Uh, no, I do not have a mini Cooper. Okay. Oh, that, that that's good. I didn't even think of that. I was just thinking Thank people. You. That's that's good. Thank you. Um, also, I couldn't find a lot of famous people by the name <laughs> Cooper. Um, so it's a lot of last names here. Your first on the list is Anderson Cooper, longtime uh, TV anchor for CNN. Also hosts uh, the CNN New Year's Eve celebration. Where do you put Anderson Cooper? I'm going to place him at a two. Okay. Because he's recognizable. Your second Cooper is Bradley Cooper. You may know him from the Hangover movies. Yeah, boy. Very handsome gentleman. And off the top of my head, that's all I can think of him. <laughs> think about him. Uh, I know I'm missing probably something big. Uh, he did that song with uh, Lady Gaga. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with a three. Okay. So we got Anderson Cooper two, Bradley Cooper three. Next is Amari Cooper, former Dallas Cowboy. I, I believe now he's a Brown and uh, wide receiver, former Alabama Crimson Tide wide receiver. Automatic five. Okay. <laughs> your last Cooper, you could, or your second to last, yeah, I should there say, you go. is Alice Cooper. Just saw him in concert a couple of weekends ago at Aww. 75 years old, still crushes it. See, now I've pinned myself into this spot where either Alice Cooper or Cooper BB gets one or four. That's cold. Do the right thing. Uh, Alice has to be one. Oh, okay. (laughs) 
And then no, finally, nothing, nothing against our boy Cooper Beebe. Now, see, I would, yeah. Oh, dang. Elite prime choice beef, Cooper Beebe. You got to put him at four. Well, I can I, I try to tee you up? I, 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 I couldn't because I already went around with two, three, and five. So all I had left was one and four. Alice Cooper is Alice Cooper. But Alice Cooper isn't coming to Manhattan, Kansas anytime soon for a concert. Yeah, well, there is that. Valid point. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, very special guest, Anwar Richardson, is coming in via Zoom yet next to preview the Texas Longhorns after these words. Funky stuff coming back in. It's the game on K-Man. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, us two today. Coming up in hour number two, just after five o'clock, we'll talk with one of our former hosts now with Ema Online, Mason Voth, who is a brand new dad. Plus, uh, going to hear from K-State head basketball coach Jerome Tang, hear his comments about the uh, overseas trip to the Middle East, winning two of three games uh, over this past week. But we are now joined via Zoom as we continue our Big 12 previews across the Big 12 landscape as we look at the Texas Longhorns with Anwar Richardson of OrangeBloods.com. It's great to talk with you again. Here in Manhattan, uh, with the heat index is currently 111. Is Austin, Texas warmer or cooler right now? <laughs> I mean, we are all sitting at the sun at this moment. I mean, yep. we, it's been over 100. Let's see. It's 104 right now. Uh, as it is, I don't know if I've uh, been below the 90s since sometime in July. Oof. So I'm looking at 102, 104, 104, 103. Uh, it looks like there may be a cold front by next Wednesday. It's going to be 96 next Wednesday. So uh, it'd be nice and brisk here in Austin to come up come next Wednesday. Well, how about that? Manhattan, Kansas, and Austin, Texas having themselves a little NBA game currently. Uh, boy, it's hot. <laughs> it is hot. Hopefully, we'll be no more than 90-something by the time the first game rolls around on September 2nd. Now, I, I can't believe that I did not catch this months ago. So Quinn Ewers, he cut the mullet, did he? Oh, yeah. You missed that, huh? I did. I had no idea. Yeah, no. So there's the, the, what's happened is this, this entire offseason – and, you know, there's always different offseason narratives. I'm sure K-State has got their narratives up there as well. Kansas has got narratives, Oklahoma State, you name it. But it's over here in Austin, it's been about this new and improved Quinn Ewers. And so it kind of began back earlier this year where he, as he decides, like, hey, I'm going to get a little bit more serious about this football thing. Like, Quinn Ewers is a five-star who, you know, like, you know, when you're a highly decorated athlete, you're able to kind of get by on a lot of natural ability. And then all of a sudden, when you get into college, you're like, uh-oh, it just got real. And I think that's what happened with Quinn last year. He had that, uh-oh, it just got real moment. So he cuts off the mullet as far as he starts. He's like, you know, I'm going to rededicate myself, get more serious about my craft, all these kind of things, right? So the mullet gets cut off. He starts working on the, on the weights, has a dietician. 
you know, starts, you know, trying to get into better shape, which he actually was able to do, uh, get more into the playbook, get more into the film study, kind of try to take it up a next extra notch. His quarterback coach is, is Patrick Mahomes, uh, quarterback coach, Clyde Christensen, you guys see on the, uh, the QB special. Mm-hmm. So he's been... This is where this, you know, the hope is, is that that with that work that's put in, and I know it's like it's the mullet portion, but of it, but it, it really is this. Hey, Quinn has been trying to do something different to go to the next level as a quarterback. Some people project him to be as one of the top quarterbacks in the country and a potential first round pick. And he's just trying to live up to that. So that's why he's got more of a buzz cut because he's trying to be serious. Start, start told him like sometimes, you know, people see you, they got certain thoughts like it's best to just go ahead and be clean cut. So that's kind of what the quarterback you're seeing right now. What's fascinating to me that K-State and Texas just have so many similarities entering this upcoming football season. Just based on the storylines, it's almost the exact same storylines with both sides of the football, including a quarterback behind Will Howard is Avery Johnson, who's a true freshman. He seems like the superstar in waiting behind Will Howard. So what's the story right now with Quinn Ewers versus Arch Manning? How you know, how deep is that quarterback competition if there is one? Uh, and by the way, just as far as that is concerned, replacing two uh, NFL running backs as well. So yeah. Deuce Vaughn and, of course, B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson get drafted out of Texas. Um, there's no there's no competition uh, at this point. It is, it's Quinn Ewers. It's his job. Um, and it, it was his job back in the spring. Arch, honestly, he's a third-string guy at this point. Uh, he's he's sitting behind uh, Malik Murphy, a quarterback out of California at this moment. So this will be a learning year for Arch, a developmental year uh, for Arch. And then next year, the expectations that he competes against Malik Murphy for that that spot. But if something happened, and you know, I don't like to use the the injury analogy because it feels like it puts bad mojo out there in the air. So if someone ha- if if someone had to miss some time, if Quinn had to miss time because he had the flu. Right then, Malik Murphy would be the guy that would go in, followed by Arch. So Arch will be a third string guy. He'll travel, but he'll be a third. He's his like his roles would be a third string guy and just learn and soak up as much as he can this year. We're previewing Texas football with Anwar Richardson from OrangeBloods.com. You just touched on a little bit ago about the running backs, and and there is no real like, like Deuce Vaughn, no real replacing Bijan Robinson, and also like you said, Roshan Johnson is off to the next level. But with that, you know, veteran offensive line with everybody returning, still could be a very deadly rushing attack. So, what does the rotation of running back look like? Yeah, I mean, I want to give you a bunch of names that you know will just go over the heads of most folks. Going to going to say they'll just say they'll just head nod and say, all right, that's fine. But Jonathan Brooks, you know, is a third year guy. He'll be the person that's expected to kind of get all of the first team reps. You know, Sark really prides himself and one of the things he's talked about is that you know throughout his career he's always had a thousand yard running back and that's been it you know for consistently so you 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 would expect that Jonathan Brooks will get the bulk of the carries and he'll be that guy they have a little guy by the name of Keelan Robinson and he probably will be really upset that I use the word little uh, to describe him but you got let me give you his height and weight here just I want to make sure what he's listed at uh, Keelan Robinson. If I don't find him within the next five seconds. This makes for a really bad radio, so I apologize. Uh, five nine one eighty eight. Thank you. Uh, so you know, so he he's a kind of a rotational, situational kind of guy. Really good on special teams, but he comes in 
the guy that they, they that lead, they that you could see a lot of is a young guy by the name of CJ Baxter. He's a five star running back out of Florida. Uh, and so he's been a guy that Sark recently had said when he was asked about who's some of the best blocking running backs there. He mentioned the two guys that I just talked about, but he also mentioned CJ Baxter as being one of his best blocking running backs. So if you're a freshman and the coaches view you as one of the better blocking running backs, that tells you all you need to know about your, your ability to see the field. So Jonathan Brooks would be the guy to your point and what you kind of added in which is Texas does have a really good offensive line. You know, they're led by Kelvin Banks at the left tackle position. He started at the left tackle position as a freshman uh, and started in all the games there and very effective. You know, he was, to me, he's a, he's a future first round pick. He's a guy that even when they played against Alabama, nothing happened on his side of the line. You didn't see much from Will Anderson on his side of the line. Like that's how good he is. They've got some, you know, the interior might be the question mark as far as the offensive line is concerned, but they've got they're good at you know they're good at the right tackle position with Christian Jones was a six year guy so they feel pretty good about the rotation of, of offensive linemen that they do have and they're ho- hopeful that one that gives you know Quinn more protection but two you know will be able to make give those guys a little bit of running room obviously and it's going to be led by Jonathan Brooks and we can't move on from the offense without touching on the wide receiver room, which led by Xavier Worthy, it feels like this could be a pretty deep unit. How deep do you think it goes? I mean, they'll tell you that it goes eight. You know, and I think the thing that you got to keep an eye on as relates to this whole running back room is that, um, I mean, it's wide receiver room. So they get a transfer in by the name of A.D. Mitchell, uh, comes in from Georgia. Very effective uh, receiver for them. He's he was injured last season, but you know a lot of times when guys go into the transfer portal, you know some programs kind of say, "eh, it's okay," you know, no one really stresses about it. But when it comes to Ad Mitchell, when he spoke to people at Georgia, they felt like he would have been the number one guy for them this season. And so, he, so Texas has Xavier Worthy on one side; they have Ad Mitchell on another. So they've got they've got two guys who can flat out get open, and they got two guys who can flat out burn. So you have those things, those guys as well. And then you still got a Jordan Winnington, who I believe is in his fifth year. So you have a, you have him; he's been around, very consistent receiver. Uh, but and then they've got some young guys. You know, Jonte Cook, who's a five star receiver, has come in, and he's the guy that's making some noise. They, they have other guys that uh, that are around. So the one thing Sark wanted to do when he got here is be more dynamic from the receiver position and be more dynamic from a playmaking standpoint. He he said before that he's not necessarily interested, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but he's not a guy who's interested in saying, hey, give me a 16-play drive, 17-play drive, like just grounded like that. Sark kind of wants to get into that, like, you know, seven-ish or play drives. He wants to take deep shots. Like, that's his goal. And so his goal is to take deep shots. And he took them last year, even when it wasn't working. Last year, University of Texas did not complete a pass over 49 yards. They're the only team in the Big 12 that was unable to do that, to have a pass of 50 or more. But that's what Sark wants to do. That's what he wants to be the strength of his team. And so he feels like they've got the receivers to do it. Again, led by A.D. Mitchell, led by uh, Xavier Worthy, and then led by a bunch of other guys that kind of fill in that they feel really good and confident about. 
So like K-State, if you go to the defensive side of the football, you know there are plenty of veterans back, but obviously some holes to fill, including holes that were left behind by guys that are now off to the NFL. So I think it's, with the defense, just yeah. easiest if I ask it this way. Where on the defense hmm. do you feel like you have more studs than questions? And then on the flip side, where on the defense do you feel like there's more questions than studs? Well, that's a good, that's a good one. Okay, so the defense is led by a linebacker, Jalen Ford, enters the season as the the Big 12, you know, preseason defensive player of the year, right? So last year he has a breakout season, ends up emerging into one of the best linebackers in the country. So you've got him coming back and he ends up being kind of the strength and the anchor of the defense. They've got some guys there from in the defensive backfield. Ryan Watts is a guy who was a former Ohio State uh, uh, cornerback there. Uh, he's He played there last season, back for another uh, season here. So you know, t- Texas could get very selective when they want to go in the transfer portal. And when they pick up guys, they get some elite ones. You know, from the defensive back position, Jalen Catalaw, he's a transfer in from Arkansas. He was a starter over at Arkansas's defense. Now here at Texas one, he's at the safety position. Really good about him. And then Jared Thompson, who's been here on campus for four years. They've got guys in the defensive backfield that they feel really, really good about. So the DBs are really strong. The the linebackers are pretty or pretty, you know, Jalen Ford. They've got a five-star uh linebacker by the name of Anthony Hill. He's a freshman who they speak very highly of. So, you know, there's but you know, he's they still gotta work him in. Uh, he may be coming off the bench, but by the time they play a team like K-State, good uh, good possibility that he might be the starter, but there is some question marks once you get outside of Jalen Ford, who ends up being, you know, the guy that plays alongside of him at that linebacker position. And then there's a little bit of a question as far as the, as far as like edge rush is concerned. If you got a, you know, question like, Hey, well, what's going on that edge rush is where you kind of, you know, they have a guy named by the name of a Barry Sorrell, Baron Sorrell, who, had 5.5 sacks at the edge position last season. They've got another guy by the name of Ethan Burke, who, you know, is kind of a little bit unproven. So what's going to happen from those edge positions? We don't know. There's also going to be some replacement. They got two guys from the interior that got drafted. You know, Keandre Colborn got drafted as a defensive tackle. Moro Jomo got drafted as a defensive tackle. So they have to replace those guys as well. But they feel really good about the guys that they're putting in the place. Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat are going to kind of be the main guys with some other guys kind of filling in. So a little bit of a question mark on the defensive line as to, hey, can these guys step up and do it? They haven't done it. Doesn't mean they can't do it. Just means they they have to prove that. So defensive line would be the kind of little bit of question mark. But they will tell you that over the scrimmages, they feel really good about how the defensive line has performed. And they will tell you that they feel pretty good about the front seven. I feel I feel like they're extremely strong in the secondary. I feel like they're good at the linebacker position. I think your only question mark is what it looks like from a defensive line standpoint. Speaking with Anwar Richardson from OrangeBloods.com, got a couple more and I'll, and I'll let you skedaddle here, but with Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma is in a spot where, you know, this is a pretty big year for them because you're about to transition to the SEC. You don't want to feel like you're, you know, you're behind everybody else as you make that transition to the SEC. I mean, how how big of a season is this with maybe like like the Big 12 voted, the Big 12 media voted, Texas the favorite to win the Big 12? How important is it just to have a very successful season because you're getting ready to make that transition? Well, I mean, 
what I'm going to say, can I can I put to put it in air quotes, right? Okay. I'm about to say I'm going to put it in air quotes for the University of Texas. It will never get any easier, and I'm going to put easier in air quotes for them to win a conference title than it is going to be this year. Because when you go into the SEC, you're talking about one week you've got Georgia, then the next week you've got Auburn, and the next week you've got Alabama, and the next week you've got you know South Carolina, and, and then Tennessee, and then Kentucky. Like You go down that list, and then oh, you got to face A&M and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about kind of the murderer's row, right? Of, of like, this is what you're going to do conference week in and week out. And so for Texas... When this, when we know from you know conference standpoint and things, it's going to go up as far as the competition level. It's not to say anything disparaging about the Big Twelve at all. That's why I put it in air quotes. It won't get any easier to me if you're Texas. You've got to win it this year because if you don't win it this year with the talent that you have, how does it get any easier to win it against an Alabama or to win a conference title versus when Georgia's in that conference? Like those are those those monsters that are there. Even if Alabama does have a fall off, so you know. That to me, Texas has to find a way to make this happen in year three under Steve Sarkeesian with the quarterback that they have, with the talent uh, that they have on this team. But you guys know this. You guys in in Manhattan, your, your listeners know that it sounds great and it sounds good on paper. But the University of Texas has won one big hasn't won a Big Twelve championship since two thousand and nine. They've been to one Big Twelve championship game since two thousand and nine, and that's why I put the air quotes in there. Like, sure, it sounds good, it's all good on paper, but we know that it's it's been a long time for Texas, and so this is has to be the year. You're Steve Sarkeesian. You're in your year three. You've had five wins in year one. You've had eight years, eight wins, obviously in year two. This has to be the year that you take it up to the next level. This has to be the year that you finish it off. And this is the year which you live up to the expectations. Because the one thing about Texas is if you don't live up to the expectations, if people get hyped and all and where, where you've got people projecting this team to be in, in the college football playoffs, like all that thing is happening. If that letdown occurs and they don't get to the Big 12 championship game, now all of a sudden the conversations become a lot different. So it is very important to finish off this year and finish off of them with a conference championship, at least getting to the Big 12 championship game. Like it does become important, but you know, can they get up for the, the Alabamas in, in week two? Sure, that will happen. But what about the teams that sometimes give them fits, like K-State? like TCU, right? There's teams out there. There's no Oklahoma State on the schedule that on right now, but Baylor, you know, those teams that give them fits, like are the Iowa State, can they do it against those teams? That's the that's what remains to be seen in the upcoming season. Well, Texas is that one team that has escaped Chris Kleiman every time, and that's the one game on the schedule that worries me the most, the road trip down to Austin uh, in the second half of the year. Uh, I can't let you go until we talk about what, what's the buzz. I know you're not in Dallas, but what's the uh, buzz down there about Deuce Vaughn and what he's been doing at training camp? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I just – it's funny you say that. I on, I have a show on our channel every morning from 8 to 11 uh, where, you know, I, t- I talk Texas sports and other sports. So if anybody ever just gets bored, or at least you know a Longhorn fan, uh, tell them to check out the Texas Longhorn football channel. I do the old-fashioned sports show uh, from 8 to 11. Um, and I recently had on Clarence Hill, who was a, a columnist – not columnist, he covers the Cowboys. I just had him on, I believe it was last week. Loving Deuce Vaughn. Like, Deuce Vaughn has been able to uh, accomplish a lot, which is not not only just, you know, being effective, but been able to accomplish something where 
the Cowboys haven't felt the need to go out in free agency and feel like they need to bring in somebody else because they're unsure of him. They've been able to see what he's been able to do all offseason long. And so when a, when a Dalvin Cook, for instance, is on the market, they feel good about what they have and, and Deuce Vaughn being a part of that. When you look at Zeke, Elliott, and, and being able to come back, Dallas feels good. That, like They feel good about Deuce, what they have. So, yeah, you you guys know. And I think it becomes you know the thing that's in the, in the NFL and you know people are like, oh, who's this little guy? And it's kind of like a cute little punchline. But then at the end of the day, he's pretty damn effective and he knows what he's doing, size or not. So the buzz is really good about Deuce as far as, you know, obviously he's going to make that make the, the, the team, should make the 53 man uh, and expect it to be that, like a guy that contributes. So lots of good buzz about him. But I think for, for Cowboys fans who are also Longhorn fans, that's it comes as no surprise because we've been seeing him doing this, you know, year in and year out. And it's no surprise that this is translated to him uh, in the pros as well. But a lot of good buzz uh, coming out of there from from what I hear from Arlington uh, about Deuce. Well, when it comes to t- I'm, I'm here to I'm glad to hear that about Deuce. And when it comes to Texas, I, I picked Texas to finish second with K-State. Uh, meeting the Longhorns not only once but twice this season. It's going to be certainly interesting to see how this Texas season pans out. But Anwar, really appreciate you coming on the show once again to talk Texas football, and I'll be talking to you tomorrow morning on your show. And I'm going to ask you why you went K-State over Texas Tech uh, <laughs> as a team. I want to add, I'm curious, Baylor is a team that is herky-jerky. So if you look at Baylor's record, one, one season's a bad season. The next season has been an up season. Then the bad season and up season. And so last year was a bad one. So historically, this should be a bounce back year for Aranda. So I've got questions and I wish we had some more time, but I'm, I'm definitely eager to hear the answers. Well, I can't wait to tell you, Anwar, tomorrow. I'll, I'll leave the suspense for tomorrow morning, but thanks again for coming on. No problem. Anytime. You take care. That's Thank Anwar you. Richardson. Thank you, sir. From orangebloods.com. I mean, I could have given the simple answer. I'm biased. I'm biased. Big 12 champs a year ago. Let's run it back, baby. He, he should know that that line, man. <laughs> uh, if he wants more of a breakdown, I can certainly give it to him tomorrow uh, about how much I'm on board with uh, Coach Kleiman and the Cats. Let's take a break. We'll finish hour one next. Back on the game, Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. Big thank you to Anwar Richardson once again from OrangeBloods.com. Always does an excellent job of breaking down the Texas Longhorns for us. I'll be on a show on YouTube tomorrow around 9.20. Talk cats. Uh, and I wasn't lying. I, the, the Texas road trip, I don't remember the date. It's not right in front of me or anything. But it's second half of the year. Road trip to Texas will not be an easy one. Uh, that is for sure. The phone number is 537-1350. And hour number two, Mason Vote from Ema Online will join us. Also, uh, Jerome Tang, KCM men's basketball coach, uh, with a few comments about the overseas trip to Israel and Tel Aviv. Uh, meanwhile, I did want to give a shout out to the K-State soccer team for a very successful opening weekend in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and Evanston, Illinois. Um, boy, the first half did not look too solid. And then they come out and explode in the second half. Cats come away 
uh, with a 4-1 victory. It's the largest victory they've ever had to open up a season. It is season number eight, so the history is short. But a but a 4-0 run after the goal allowed by Green Bay in that first half was just incredibly impressive. And then K-State scores multiple times, and this is something that I've, I've noticed right away, and that is the ability to score on set pieces, corner kicks. And they did it a number of times against Green Bay, including twice from Jasmine Brown, who's tall, and she's a defender. But that's a nice thing about corner kicks. You can bring more people into the box, bring a taller player like Jasmine Brown into the box, and execute that way. She scored twice against Green Bay. It was just some well-executed corner kicks. And then jump to yesterday's match, which I was T.O.'d. When I thought the match was going to be on ESPN+, Plus, I should have known better. It was on the Big Ten's Network Plus or whatever the heck it's called. So I couldn't watch it. I wasn't going to pay 50 bucks for for one match. Um, But it was a nil-nil draw. And if you consider exhibition games, K-State has now had two draws against top 25 opponents. This is encouraging to me, especially on the defensive side of things, because, listen... I watched a number of games against solid competition for Kansas State in their early years, their first five years, and they faced top 25 opponents, and they would play great defense for 70 minutes. And then finally, you know, the better team would execute and get on the scoreboard, and it just felt you felt so deflated because K-State played so well, and then they just lost it in the second half. Not this time around. K-State held on strong. That was a That's a very good Northwestern team. They, they escaped with a point. Nil-nil draw. Didn't score. as heavily heavy offense for Northwestern. But the Cats were able to keep them off the scoreboard. Now a very good undefeated UTSA team comes in Thursday. Boozer Family Park at 8 o'clock. Hour 2 next.